Aspiring Headliner with QSC. Hello and welcome to Headliner Radio, where we are delighted to be joined by Olivia Devine, perhaps better known as Elle Devine, uh, who is here to have a chat with us about the release of her debut album, Digital Artifacts. Um, Olivia, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you and whereabouts are you joining us from? I'm good. No, thank you for having me. Um, I'm currently in my flat in North Shields in Newcastle. So yeah, up yeah. in North of England, it's very cold. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I mean, how um, how has it been this? Because at the time of recording this, we're a week away from the release of the album. Um, how are things for you at the moment? When you get to that kind of, you know, a week or so away from release, are things a little bit calmer at this point? Is it the sort of like the calm before the storm, or are you still in full kind of promo, getting the record out there? Uh, you know, kind of chaos mode, if you like. How 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 is the, the past few weeks and the next few days shaping up for you? Yeah, I, def- I don't know if I feel calm, but like yeah. not in a not in a bad way. I don't feel like stressed. It's more just like I think. Um, I mean, I've never released an album before. This is my debut album, but I think with releases in general, like before they come out, you kind of just thinking like the like let's use these weeks to do everything I possibly can, so that I can look back and be like I did everything I could do, you know, yeah, before that. So I'm just kind of like trying to ram it down people's throats as much yeah. as I can <laughs> these like these few weeks. And yeah, I think like it's one of those things you you live in the potential of these things for so long. Like albums take like a long time to make and then it takes a long time for um them to come out after you've made them, you know. So I think I think secretly all artists, they want their albums to come out, but secretly they don't. I think we all love like living in the little like dream world of like where this could, you know, take us. But um, yeah, and now it's a reality. I'm really, really excited about it. It's it's good. But yeah, these these this next week, I think is going to be like intense, but in a good yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, c- I can imagine. It's funny you mentioned that. I, I recently interviewed another another artist who said almost the exact same thing um, right. about they they said their their least favourite part of, of being an artist is the moment where you have to release the record. <laughs> they love all the kind of writing and the building up to it yeah. and all that process, but actually having to put it out in the world into the world sure. is a little bit more of a kind of you know it can be a little bit daunting, I guess. But um, but yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to ask you. Obviously, we'll. We'll talk about the new record, but I wanted to ask a little bit about how how this how this debut record has come together because um, it's been you know you've been releasing music for a few years now you've released a number of EPs and singles and and stuff like that um, mm-hmm. does this does this album feel like uh, is is it like a culmination of everything that you've been doing up to this point does it feel like it's a big departure for you from what you were doing previously how does this this album kind of stand apart or or stand alongside everything that's yeah. come before it it's interesting because I, I think like um maybe a few people would would say it's a little bit of a departure but I, it's hard for me to notice that because i've kind of pe- the people from like that perspective have only really seen the music that i've put out the selected like works of stuff so mm. if for me this feels like a really natural place for my music to go um because I've like seen what's been going on behind the scenes and kind of what I've been listening to and everything I've been absorbing and what I've gone through for the from the past couple of years so for me it feels like maybe a slight redirection but it it feels like a really natural progression from um some of my last uh releases before this um especially like I think fans of the 
EP I put out a couple of years ago called PA Pressure. I kind of I think that this feels like the kind of a bit more of a grown up version of that in a way. Yeah. Um, but I think that EP was like when I first kind of got into a bit like more of like a storytelling style of writing um, and just going a bit left of center from like the kind of mainstream pop thing. And um, yeah, so it does feel like I think a, a bit of a redirection in, in that sense that, you know, I've kind of, it, I've not kind of shot for these like universal, universally like uh, understood um subject matters when I'm writing about it and maybe the kind of production as well feels a bit more experimental but I think it feels a lot more authentic and yeah I I, I guess working with one person on it as well I think it feels like all the songs really like sit together well and it's like way more cohesive than anything I've done before you know I kind of jumped in jumped in and around a lot of genres and like dipped my fingers in different pies on the last couple of releases and now it feels like i've stuck to one pie <laughs> yeah i mean how did the um approach sort of change or, or feel different to you because did, did you have you know did, did it feel to you when you decided you were making this as a you know as a full-length album that this was going to be something that you were starting as a okay this is a, a completely fresh uh piece of of work that's not just a kind of combination of everything that i've released previously as singles and just chucking a load of them together did you feel like no i want to start this as a completely new body of work that represents where you are as an artist today and and if so how did it feel approaching it with with that in mind as opposed to okay i'm going to write a single i'm going to write a couple of songs uh for an ep did it feel like a different process writing for a a full-length album yeah well, I think at the time when I first started writing it and I first started, like I first met Julian, like our first couple of sessions together, I think I was just writing out of the need to keep going. At the time when we started writing this, my, I was parting ways with my previous label and my managers as well. So I was I was pretty like on my own and I didn't really know what was going to happen in terms of my career. Like I I really had no idea. So I think the start of this album just kind of came from like necessity to keep, like just keep going, you know? And, um, and then I think once I found that me and Julian really had that, that chemistry and the stuff we were writing was like my favorite shit I've ever done. Um, I think then I, I kind of realized, okay, this should be it. And also I think artists always like to, I mean, everyone does like make a narrative out of your life. You kind of, and I think that moment, it kind of felt like if I don't make an album now, then I I don't know when I will. Like this should be when I do it, you know, I'm completely on my own. This is the first time in like five years that I've had the opportunity to really like go back to basics and just cut everything else out and just make music. And I think that's kind of the perfect time to make an album when you feel like you're kind of in the in the shit of it you know yeah. so um so yeah I think once once I kind of realized all that I was like okay yeah this needs to be this needs to be my first album and I think making it with I've never really worked with someone who where both of us felt like we wanted to make something just together you know and like would commit to the time it takes to you know, build a relationship to make an album like like that. 
Um, So, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So can you just, uh, you know, for our listeners, tell us a little bit about Julian and Julian's role um, Mm. in uh, in, in making this record and, and also a little bit about what makes that relationship tick? Why, why it's been such a successful collaboration for you both? Yeah. So at the time, me and Julian were both, um, when we first met, we were both managed by the, the same people, but we'd never actually worked together because Julian was um, working on another artist's project and under like the management umbrella at the time. And it was really different. It wasn't like, like pop music, you know, it was kind of like, um, like like soul music, I guess. So I kind of didn't know if Julian even like wanted to or did make music, um, like pop tunes, really. Um, so it took us a, a lot longer to get into a session than we should have, really. Um, but he's a he's a guitarist, so I think I think off the very first session, actually, he was laying down some guitar on a track that was going on a near life experience EP. So we hadn't actually written together, but I'd sat in the studio with him um, and we'd like tracked guitars together and stuff and like kind of produced, reproduced a song. I did some ad ad prod on a song. Um, Yeah. And then we, we got in together on the first session we did writing for the album was when we wrote Eating Alive. And I feel like, I hope Julian won't mind me saying this, but at the time, like he was really just starting up in his career, he hadn't really done like heaps and heaps of sessions. Um, so I think that kind of worked in my favor in a way I was used, used to being in this kind of like this big label where I had an A&R guy who had, you know, loads of, um, he could pull me in at any session basically. Cause he's like a really well-respected A&R and he was amazing. So like I was being put in sessions that, with like producers that had done like massive tunes and that was always really intimidating for me you know like I always kind of felt like the person that I was in the room with probably knew better than me and I think it it took me a while to like get the confidence and find my voice to kind of assert myself in sessions like that when I was like 19 you know um so I think with Julian I kind of felt like that was an opportunity for me to kind of like really tell someone what I wanted to do and like go against everything that I'd previously done. I came in and I was like, I want to write a song called Eaten Alive. And he was like, right, okay. <laughs> but he went along with it. You know, usually I think people would be like, what What do you mean? What's that about? And pulled in these references that were just probably what, like not what anyone would have expected me to pull in. So he, yeah, he let me do my thing basically. And that was really refreshing. And yeah, he was just well up for it. I think our, our tastes just like really aligned and we kind of just bonded over like over music and um I think the role of a producer as well is like 90% of just kind of like listening to someone you know I think I don't know like I find sometimes when I go into sessions and I just don't if I kind of if I get the vibe that then they're not gonna sit and listen to me fucking ramble on about my life and (laughs) yeah just not gonna get it you know if we haven't got chemistry like that and that uh, yeah I think it's just not gonna work and I think Julian has this kind of like he also has this like musical language where he can really understand what anyone's saying he's like bilingual like in music like it's funny like I can describe like a sound or a feeling and he really really does get it I don't know if he does that with everyone but it feels like we're weirdly in tune with each other 
more so than anyone I've ever worked with. He really, I could throw out like an obscure sentence together and he would just get it, you know? Um, but I also think it's time. Like we, we've had like three years of working together now and it's intense. So yeah, I think we've just got like a best friend kind of vibe, but yeah, he's, he's producer and co-writer. Sorry. You asked what, what his role is. He is yeah the producer, but he also definitely is a co-writer in the sense of like I wouldn't be able to write the things I did with anyone but him. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. Um, and that's Julian Flew, uh, uh, just for for our um, uh, listeners. But yeah, it's always interesting to um, to understand and, and hear about that relationship between artist and producer because, like you said, I think so much of that comes down to understanding you know, one another's ideas and visions, you know, before you get even to any of the kind of technical stuff, it's always interesting hearing about how, how those relationships develop and how, yeah, you can somehow get musically in tune in ways that are almost hard to put into words. Um, So, I mean, you said you've been working for three years uh, together. Is that when work first started on this album? I guess so now. Yeah. 2021, I think we first started on it. I don't think I've got, the, I don't have the dates off the top of my head, but yeah, it was definitely 2021, yeah. um, which is crazy Yeah, that it takes this long for these things <laughs> to happen, you know? Um, yeah. How did, uh, obviously working with, uh, with Julian was a, was a big part of it, but did it, how different were the, were the circumstances around writing this album compared to say some of your previous EPs? So, yeah. um, you know, I, I understand that you kind of relocated from London back uh, to North Shields um, around the time that work started on this. Did that kind of influence the way that you approached making this in any way? I just wondered if there were any kind of fundamental uh, or practical differences in addition to just working with Julian that maybe felt yeah. different with this album compared to some of your previous releases. Definitely. I think, like I said, like not having any label or management, like, there was only two cooks in the kitchen and I'd been used to like, you know, like <laughs> like so many opinions around me. Like, and uh, like usually after a session, I'd have a bounce of a song and you'd send that, you'd fly that over like a handful of people to get feedback from. And, and then you'd have like a meeting about the songs you'd written that month, you know? So like, it was like none of that. So and I think in a way that kind of made a bit of a, not laziness, I don't know, like just, I, I wasn't, like my skills as a decision maker maybe didn't, were kind of compromised at, at that time because there were so many people also making decisions on those things where I think as an artist, that's probably one of the, that's probably the biggest advice I'd give to an up and coming artist is that you need to be, fucking on it with decision making that is like night that's going to be like so much of your job is trusting like your instincts and being able to just make a like instant like response and in decision making and and yeah just being independent in that way um so I think kind of becoming more in tune with you know my own instincts and what I like as opposed to kind of asking someone else if they like it or not, and then deciding if I like it. Mm. Um, in that way, I think it, it changed because so me and Julian kind of A and R for the whole record. Like even when I brought in um, 
a new manager. Like I, I was, the the tunes were all already done, and I had an idea of what the album was. And even when I signed this new deal, like it was, it did, it wasn't like we had anyone say this should be the singles. Like everything was already done, and I'd never really worked that way. Um, but now I can't imagine. I will. I'd never. I'd find it so weird if someone started like telling me like mm. what was what again. You know. So was that, I think in that changed. Yeah. Sorry. So oh no. So, sorry. Um, was that you know previously was that A and R people? Was that management? Who who were some of those people that were trying to you know give their their opinion and input on on the music you were making at that point? Yeah. Exactly. Well. Yeah. Managers yeah. and A and R people, which. Ha- have something to say yeah and how difficult is it to to kind of tune out the the stuff that you don't agree with when they're if they're potentially coming to you with suggestions or ideas if it's something that you just fundamentally disagree with artistically how how -hmm. challenging is it to kind of reject those voices and and stick stick to your to your vision and how do you balance that with potentially having an openness perhaps to ideas and and, and mm-hmm. uh, other creative voices and inputs how yeah I, I wonder how you deal with that as a as a as a relatively you know new artist who's still finding their feet how how difficult is it to to deal with those those uh, yeah. those outside influences well i think like that's that is the main challenge i think any artist will tell you that but that is like definitely the battle <laughs> mm. um so I don't know I don't like I mean I think luckily like in the past experience like for for majority of the time like we were kind of all we were all on the same page but I think um yeah it's it's super it's super frustrating I think and there's so many things that like factor into it there's so many you know like whether it would be like radio plugger or like a song that has like a really like cool like marketing angle I guess nowadays as well people think about stuff like TikTok and that and to be honest like I haven't worked in that way in like like I say like nearly four years now so it's kind of I don't know I've kind of forgotten truly what it's like but it's 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 definitely really frustrating and that's part of the reasons I was so empowered to like go independent and um, I can't imagine like working any other way now and and like I say I think it's it's so important that's what I would say to up-and-coming artists that are thinking about signing like a deal especially with a major is um trust your instincts and I needed my hand held a lot when I first when I first signed and I think it took me a lot longer to shake that off because I didn't you, you know I, I hadn't fine-tuned my my like decision making and my like, my gut you know and it's like a muscle it's like going in the gym like every day you've got to like say no to something or say yes to something and be able to explain why you know be able to like figure out how to back up your um your instincts and yeah I think that's like super important um yeah I think I'm kind of good at that now yeah. I say no to now, <laughs> and I didn't used to then. I think, yeah, cliche, but there's so much power in saying no to stuff that you don't want to fucking do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, with with moving as well from from London uh, back uh, to to the northeast, did did that sense of location or relocation kind of factor in in any way? I'm, I'm always intrigued to, to to kind of find out what what sort of impact your surroundings and your setting 
has to the the way you approach your your songwriting or the way you pr- approach the creative process yeah 100% um i guess like when i moved to london i was like 19 years old like fresh out of high school as well and i think high school was always like a especially for like a, a queer kid like i i think that was a that was like how long are you at high school for like six seven years I don't know seven years basically pretended I mean for most people as well but I think especially for queer kids like pretending to be something that you're not just being anything but yourself um and trying to fit in and I think at the time when like I moved to London and signed a deal and became like a musician for a living I thought oh shit I am I am me now this is it I'm like finally myself but actually in hindsight it was kind of just like that all over again you know like I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird looking back on it. Like even as little things as like some of the clothes I wore or like how I kind of was on like social media or just like in interviews and stuff kind of like not, I don't want to say like watering myself down at all. Not like that, but just kind of like I had this idea of what an artist should be. And I, and I didn't, I think growing up as well, I think the term pop star I never ever saw I didn't see myself in that in those words you know so I think I probably tried to be that a bit too much you know and I think moving back home and and I wasn't like I said yeah I wasn't around the people that I grew up with that truly knew me all of a sudden I was surrounded by people that yeah didn't really know like the real live so I think coming back and just being around my family and being in the same fucking streets that like I grew up in it was yeah it felt like one of those cheesy like movies where the girl from like the city who works at a big job comes back to like a, like a country like yeah. like you know it kind of felt like that and that's to like find herself again that's kind of what it felt like but it yeah I think that was lush and you could hear that in the writing that I felt that I could be vulnerable because I think, I, you know, I wasn't, I, I wasn't embarrassed to like talk about myself in like an honest way, like in real life to the people around me, you know, like I could tell people about how I felt and how I felt about myself. And yeah, I think being around family and friends really helped. Yeah. That's this. Yeah. That's really interesting. I mean, I, I was, I was wondering as well how, like, if, if you don't mind, if we could talk a little bit about your your childhood and your upbringing and the the role music played in that i mean do you do you remember the the first time music entered your life if you like was it a constant during childhood you know did, what was your do you do you have any memories of the first time music really uh sort of struck a chord or you know was there ever like a lightning bolt moment of like oh wow that's that's just changed something for me. Even if it was not in terms of, you know, I'm going to become an artist or a songwriter, just something to mm-hmm. switch something in your brain a little bit. Yeah. I didn't know. Like, uh, I mean, I can definitely think of like some pivotal moments in childhood when I picked up like a guitar or something. But I think like the first thing for me is like just the, um, the feeling that you get from like creativity as a kid. Like I just know that, I feel like I got like so like so much more out of that from like compared to some of the other kids that I was like playing with at the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, like 
in terms of my imagination and stuff like I just I just remember how much I loved like making stuff up like um like even if it's just like putting on like a like when me and my cousins would put on little plays or something for like my family or whatever to watch when I was like little and like and just like pretending to be something else and like performing for people I guess or like making up games and um like I was always just wanted to like make make stuff up and I was just so excited I was just so excited by the idea of like imagination and stuff and I think music was just kind of another avenue of that I guess um but I, I, I when I was about seven years old I used to hang out with this uh, my best friend was this kid called Niall and his dad was like a guitar teacher um I played guitar and kind of like taught Niall how to play and stuff and um so and I thought Niall was so so cool he was like this really shy kid and I was like really like loud and cheeky so I used to kind of just like take everything that he did but like <laughs> tell people about it like um so he was like he I remember like when I went around to his house one day and he was told me he's like oh I'm like a punk now I'm into like, punk music like <laughs> this is the clash this is the sex was like the undertones this is like all of these bands and stuff and I was like oh right okay we're punks now then cool um, so then I got into that I guess also at the time School of Rock had just come out so oh, okay. And that was like the movie. And I remember watching that being like, oh my God. It's like, I think that was probably like kind of, but I think a lot of kids, like people my age, will, will say that, um, that that kind of blew their seven year old minds. So yeah, me and Niall just started like jamming together. I got a guitar as soon as he did, basically. And um, we formed this little band called Safety Pins. And I think that was when I wrote my first tune. It's called Safety Pins Don't Always Clip On. And the lyric was like, the only lyric I remember was, so tell me, baby, do I give you pins and needles? I'm not talking shit. I'm just talking riddles. Come on. And like, I just thought that was so, that is one of my best lyrics to this day. Yeah, yeah, particularly for for a kid as well. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I know, I don't know where I got, yeah, I don't know. Got that photo. It was so sick though. Um, And then, yeah, we had like one other song called Don't Really Care as well. And we used to put on like um, shows and stuff for for the family and friends and stuff like that. And I remember I even like wrote out like a, a contract, like <laughs> and got one of my other friends to pretend to be the manager. I was just obsessed with like, um, yeah, pretending to be grown up as well, you know. Um, so, yeah, I guess, I guess it was that. Yeah. And, and at what point did did it start to kind of become more of a sort of uh, serious, I guess, pursuit for you to the point where you started kind of going, okay, actually like this is more than just a little bit of fun that I'm having with a friend and doing stuff, you know, putting on little shows for like family or whatever. What was the point when you started to think, actually, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Um, I mean, I totally like packed it in as soon as I got to high school, which is so sad. Like, I think like like in primary schools, I was like burning CDs and giving them out to everyone. I didn't give a fuck. And then I think as soon as you go to high school, you're just like, right, if I keep doing this, I'm getting bullied to fuck. So like you just kind of, I don't know. It's so sad, isn't it? It is very sad. Do anything to fit in really. So I dropped music, didn't want to draw like attention to myself. Um, And like, I, I guess I kind of picked that up again when I was probably like 15 um, 
And like I say, like I start, I think because I was like in the closet as well. And like I was starting that with 15 was probably when I started getting like romantic feelings for people. And I couldn't like be like talking to my friends about it as I usually would. So I think my, um, my way of talking about that was like writing songs in my room. So I did that for a bit and, and then I fell in love with songwriting again. Um, but it was still, it was pretty private and I didn't really tell anyone about it. And then one day I put a video on YouTube of like a, a cover um, and it got something like, it wasn't that big. It got like 8,000 views like overnight. And then it started getting a bit more and like, I was like, whoa, that's actually really cool. So I kind of got a bit obsessed with uploading videos to YouTube and then it was probably my dad like really really like championed me in it and he was like come on then let's like go do some gigs I'll take you like an open mic night and I went in this place called the surf cafe um and did my first gig and then started working there so I was surrounded by loads of live music um so yeah I think it was probably when I started gigging and you and I used to get like some money from it as well like I'd get like 30 quid here and there and I was like whoa this is sick and I guess that gave me a bit of belief in myself and I think yeah my dad kind of really uh, helped me with that as well um so then I, th- I think then I started thinking oh I could do this for I could try and go for this um yeah, <laughs> yeah. and who, who were some of the artists or what were some of the records that were important in your in your life during those years particularly like those you know perhaps those more difficult times at school where you were like you said having to sort of repress that element of wanting to share your music with people being queer in a you know in school and wanting to like not draw attention to yourself that kind of thing were there any artists or musical moments if you like at that point that felt particularly sort of special or important to you in in helping you kind of discover what you wanted to do artistically and creatively yeah I th- um I th- there was a lot I think it's like particular songs that's so like, it's so lame now I think right but I was like mm. I was kind of like in love with one of my friends so I think it was just loads of like sad like emo songs so I remember I used to be obsessed with this tune um I think I actually went on like Reddit or some forum like that. And I was like most heartbreak and unrequited love songs. And I got obsessed with that tune by Aqualung, which is the, Oh, what's it called? Apersville. What's it called? Oh, um, I know that. I know exactly the song you're talking about. And I, beautiful, that's what it's yes. called. And that was one of my favorite songs. I still love that song. I went back to that song like a, a couple months ago and I was like, wow, this is amazing. And also the, um, it's called the Bonnie Raitt, I Can't Make You Love Me. Like, I used to love that song as well. Um, and then and then also, like, I, I loved, I, I accidentally stumbled across that um, Burial Untrue album, which um, ended up becoming one of my f- favourite albums of all time. And I think, like, that, I don't know, it perfectly um embodies like being depressed I don't know and like that melancholy like I remember just like I think because there's not much lyrics in it I think those kind of things got me into like electronic music so then I started listening like Hudson Mohawk, Flume and I think that got me the because I was doing gigs on my guitar I think when I found like electronic music I was like whoa like I need to get out of Newcastle and find people that can make like some like weirder electronic stuff and I I think 
yeah, you can hear like a mix of those kind of influences now probably as well. Yeah. Fantastic. And obviously, you know, we're, we're a week now away from uh, release of the record at the time of recording this. What are your plans for taking this out on the road? If you, do you have any dates or uh, shows planned at this point um, and, and where and, and when will they be? Uh, yeah, so we're going on April and we're doing, um, starting in Glasgow and Newcastle, Leeds, um, London, Nottingham, Manchester. I, yeah, you have to check online, but um, in April, yeah, I'm buzzing. It's going to be sick. Fantastic. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time to have a chat with us. It's been really interesting hearing about the record and, and just kind of talking about your life and career. Um, and uh, yes, the album is Digital Artifacts, released on February the 2nd. Um, yeah, Olivia, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.